Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. You've heard the rumors before, perhaps some whispers written between the lines of the textbooks. Conspiracies, paranormal events, all those things that disappear from the official explanations. Tune in and learn more of the stuff they don't want you to know in this video podcast from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Sup, y'all? <laughs> Just Very nice. Change it up a little bit. Okay, I'm fine with that. So before we get started, I just wanted to mention something. I, I saw this email going out about uh, a new show that's coming up on the Science Channel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's called uh, The Road to Punkin Chunkin. And then immediately oh, it's followed yeah. by Punkin Chunkin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you saw this email too? Yeah, it's uh, Thanksgiving night here in the United States. Right. The 26th. That's November, it. yeah. So yeah, it starts at eight. Uh, that's the uh, the road to Punkin Chunkin, followed by Punkin Chunkin at nine. And if you don't know what this is about, it's really about designing machines that can throw a pumpkin a really far distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they used to do that with with uh, trebuchets and stuff like that, but now they have these uh, you know air powered cannons, huge air powered cannons. Yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. So. Uh, you should definitely check it out. I'm going to be watching it myself. I think um, there's nothing I like more than a little pumpkin destruction. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Today's topic comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. Well, all right, then. This listener mail comes from our ninth grader listener named Alexandra. I'm sure we have other ninth graders, but this one in particular wrote to us. Thank you, Alexandra. And here is the message. Hey, you guys, I have a suggestion for a topic. Artificial intelligence. My favorite show is Knight Rider 2008. Kit, the talking car, is said to have the most advanced AI in the world. Is AI in cars and other devices coming soon? Will they have personalities? Thanks for a great podcast. P.S. I like the 80s Knight Rider, too. So you're talking about Knight Rider. You're talking about Kit, which, of course, is the Knight Industries 2000 <laughs> artificially intelligent car. By the way, do you remember what Kit's arch nemesis car was called? Oh, well, see, I now now I didn't remember what it stood for. I knew that it was car. Yes, car. K A R R. It right. stands for Night Automated Roving Robot. Nifty. Do you remember the main character's name besides Kit in Knight Rider? You mean the main character? Yeah, you mean Michael. Yes, Michael, Michael Knight. Knight. Who do you remember what his name was before it became Michael Knight? Oh, no, actually, I don't. Michael Arthur Long. The undercover agent shot in the face. He had to be uh, rehabilitated. They rebuilt his face, uh, gave it David Hasselhoff's face for some reason. He's huge in Germany. And uh, he became Michael Knight because it was Knight Industries. Did, I, I just have one question for you. Uh -huh. Did you did you look that up or did you know that off the top of your head? I wrote all that down from memory. <laughs> I, um, like Alexandra, Impressive. I was a bit of a fan of the 1980s Knight Rider. Well, I thought I was, but apparently I was a lowercase f fan and not an uppercase f fan. I also fan. wanted to throw out, throw out the, uh, the phrase I was saying, the, the, the old joke I made to you before we started recording this podcast. Which uh -huh. was, uh, Michael, let's drive to Congress. And if any of you know why I said it that way and, and what the whole Congress thing is referenced to, Write me, tech stuff at howstuffworks.com. 
First person to get it right gets a kudos, uh, just a verbal not a, kudos. Not a granola bar. Not a granola bar. Oh, okay. I mean, if I encounter you on the street and I happen to have a granola bar, I will be happy to <laughs> hand it over to you. If I don't have a granola bar, we're kind of out of luck on that one. Okay. So this brings us to our topic. Yes. Granola bars. No, I'm sorry. Artificial <laughs> intelligence. I got off on a tangent there. So artificial intelligence. Now, she asked, is artificial intelligence coming to other devices and cars as well? And uh, will they have personalities? Um, here's the interesting thing about artificial intelligence. Okay. The definition is somewhat vague. For example, uh, Chris, how would you define artificial intelligence? I mean, no, there are no right or wrong answers. Just when you hear the term, what is it that you think of? Well, you know, of course, there's the movie. Okay, yes. There's the film that was started by Stanley Kubrick, completed by Steven Spielberg, that lasted 30 minutes too long and should have ended with a little boy in the ocean. Spoiler alert. But beyond that... You know, uh, this this is the effect of Odyssey of the Mind on my brain because I'm I'm trained to think of everything but the actual answer. Right, right. Um, no, when I when I think of artificial intelligence, um, you know, actually one of the first things that comes to mind is uh, games. Okay, sure. Because uh, people talk about the AI in a particular game. Oh, the AI in this game is really good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, of course, robots, mostly yes. androids, things robots. like that. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, those things and, and, and walking, talking, you know, it's always the movie version of sure. artificial intelligence where there's, you know, something. And, of course, it's evil. Usually. It's usually evil. Yeah. for example. You know, and it's thinking and, and, it's, and it's decided that we're irrelevant and it's going to kill us all. I mean, that's, isn't that nice? It's pretty much going to happen. But no, no, no. So here's what <laughs> here's here's my own. I'm sure that makes Alexander's own. day. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to know that it's coming and it will kill me. <laughs> yes, my Honda Civic will eventually do me in. Um, no, here's what I think of when I think artificial intelligence. Okay. I think of a an artificial construct. So some sort of man-made thing that is capable of uh, sensing its environment, reacting to its environment and learning from its experiences. Now, to me, the learning part is the most important because if it's if it's only taking in, uh, you know, some sort of sensory input and then reacting to it, there's not really any thinking going on there. I mean, essentially, that's, you're just it's, it's stimulus response, right? Yeah, and that's pretty much how I carry out my day. I just well, know, right, bump into us, things and react to some it. Some of us are a little higher functioning than Chris, <laughs> and we we occasionally spare a thought or two for something. Um, no, Chris is actually a very intelligent person. I, I people get on to me about picking on you. You know that, right? Yeah. I, I don't. Chris and I are actually good buddies here. He so. hates me. Yeah. yeah. So at See? any rate. At any rate, so uh, yeah, I think uh, I think learning is an important element in, yeah. t- in artificial intelligence. So that not only are you able to react to something that's in your environment, but you learn from that experience and you are able to handle similar experiences in a better way in the future. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you encounter if if you have an artificially intelligent construct that is uh, um, susceptible to melting, mm-hmm. and it encounters a, a heat source that is higher than its melting point. And it detects this and then backs away and then has to try and uh, factor in a, a route around this heat source so that it can continue doing whatever it was it was doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, after encountering that, it might be able to build on that experience and be able to solve a similar problem in half the time. And right. ideally, you have this incremental improvement 
Um, it's also called self-recursive improvement, where you have an experience, you learn from it, and you are able to do it uh, more efficiently or effectively, however you want to quantify it uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. So right now, it, using that definition, we don't really have a truly good example of artificial intelligence. There's some that are really close, mm-hmm. um, but there's nothing out there that's that's like a computer that can understand how computers work and therefore design its own successor to be a more powerful version of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, uh, what was the computer in, in Hitchhiker's Guide? Deep Thought? Was yes, that it? yes. So Deep Thought, yeah. Deep Thought in, uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's this computer called Deep Thought that is so intelligent that it is able to come up with the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Right. It is not able to come up with the question. <laughs> it's the answer to a question, but it's not but it can't actually get the question. To get the question, it has to build a computer even smarter than itself, but it's able to do that. So it can't solve the problem, but it can build a tool that can solve the problem. Uh that ends up being the planet Earth in that in that series of books. Now that's actually an idea that's being explored in computer science. It's an idea of can we build a machine that can understand how machines work and therefore build a better version of the machine because it can make these calculations far faster and more effectively than any human can. Uh-huh. And once you reach that point, that's when we hit what we've we've talked about this in the past. We've talked about it in another podcast, but right. the singularity. Right. Which is where you have reached a point where machines or or even humans. It doesn't have to be a machine. It could be like somehow we have biologically altered ourselves so that we can do this to ourselves. But we, the improvements come so quickly that, uh, that there's no way to distinguish one moment from the next as far as technological advancement goes because it's just going blazing fast and we've reached a brand new reality. Yeah. yeah. At least as far as our perspective is concerned. Uh, to the outside observer, it wouldn't be quite the same. And uh, I did mention that we have some stuff that's coming close. The one I wanted to talk about, okay. just mention, yeah, uh, was the Cornell Research um, uh, Project, okay. where they they had the computer that analyzed the pendulum. Do you remember reading the story? There was a news story. It was back earlier this year. There was a, a a group of Cornell computer scientists. They had designed a computer, and all the computer was doing was observing the movements of a pendulum and mm-hmm. then from those movements working out the laws of physics. Okay. So it would observe the way the pendulum moved, the speed at which it moved, how much it slowed down, and it started to work out the laws of thermodynamics, its you know physical laws, classical physics, and it turned out to be really good at it. It didn't get it exactly right at the very beginning, but it kept observing just like humans would it kept observing the the uh phenomena mm-hmm. and then making guesses and and then testing those guesses throwing out anything that didn't fit over time and keeping everything that did fit and eventually it was able to work out the basic laws of physics wow now that i totally had not read that that actually. is a pretty cool example of artificial intelligence and the yeah. I- idea that this was able to observe something in its environment and draw conclusions from it. Mm-hmm. Um, now it had been programmed to be able to observe. So, I mean, it wasn't like it had developed uh, capabilities beyond its programming. I think that's another sign of artificial intelligence. When you've created something that can go beyond what you had originally programmed it for. Right. That's another sign of intelligence. Right. You know, a lot of people think that, uh, 
use the, the, if you will, the classical definition of artificial intelligence, you know, the Turing test. Ah, uh, yes, the Turing test. Alan Turing. And I was a little surprised you didn't start with him, to be honest. Yeah, I, I thought about it, um, because this is a, when you get to artificial intelligence, it really is a philosophical matter. It's not just technological. It's not just computer science. It is philosophy. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> when I was doing research for the podcast, uh, I found a, a great uh, resource at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I think of Alan Turing, I think of computer science. Right. But it's actually the uh, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy where I encountered mm-hmm. uh, his thoughts on artificial intelligence and the imitation game. Right. Which is the, what I think of, you know, when, when I actually read it, that's what I think of as the Turing test, where they put a, a machine and a human being, um, in sort of a blind test with, uh, someone asking questions. And theoretically, the person should be able to ask the machine and the person questions, and they should be able to give answers, and the person asking the question would be Unable to determine which one was real and which one was mem- – I mean, which one was the machine. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say when you – using the word real is kind of tricky. Well, OK. Uh, but yeah, I understand which one's which human and human, which, one's, yes. which I, one's the computer. I just want to say human like 63 times. Sure, sure. No, but no, yes, totally, yes. Which totally. one was human and which one was a, was a, a machine. Right. So uh, ideally you would have these – these the computer and the, uh, the other test subject, the human test subject – um, separated, they would be completely isolated from the person asking questions. And at the end of the list of questions, you would ask the questioner, all right, which one was human, which one was computer? And if the questioner was unable to identify the, uh, the, the two roles, uh, better than chance. So, you know, you have to do this test many times over, right? Right, right. If they were unable to identify computer versus human, uh, to a point where ch- it takes chance out of the, the fact, the the whole factor, then um, you can say that the computer passes the Turing test. Right. That the computer is, by all intents and purposes, indistinguishable from a human being when it comes to communication. Now, um, there have been some Turing tests that that sort of achieved this in a way. Yeah. One of them being uh, one that focused on um, uh, a computer that simulated the uh the thought processes of someone suffering from schizophrenia mm-hmm. and they had a group of psychiatrists ask questions over you know through text um to both a a real person and this computer that was simulating someone with schizophrenia and something like 48% of them weren't able to tell the difference they weren't able to reliably identify which one was computer which one was human so that's a that's right around the chance level, right? 50-50. Right, so, right. So that – you could say that that computer passes the Turing test. However, that is, of course, a very narrow set of parameters. And some people have criticized the test saying that, OK, but when you're getting to someone who is operating under a set of faculties that are not considered the normal set, because schizophrenia is outside the norm, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't really – the computer doesn't need to understand what it's saying, Right. The Mm -hmm. computer doesn't have to be able to comprehend that the words it's putting together are following a certain, you know, pattern or making sense. Um, you could just as easily have a jumble of words. The computer could randomly pair them up and create nonsensical sentences and it would be almost as effective because you're not working with the, the full set of human faculties. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were, then the, the presumably, uh, the percentage rate of identifying the computer versus the human would be much different. You would be able to probably 
accurately describe them in much more often. Right. Because right. computers are not terribly good at carrying on a truly human conversation, or at least not the kind of conversations I have with other humans. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you ever hear did you know of uh, Dr. Spezzo? Uh, is a sound blaster thing. Oh, okay. Um, the the old sound blaster cards came with a software called Doctor Spazzo. Ask yeah, okay. Doctor Spazzo, yeah. and it was this computer voice. You could type questions to it. It would respond to you. It would actually talk to you. Mm-hmm. And um, there were times where it kind of felt a little uncanny. That wow, that was actually a really good response. But then it was just a database full of responses, and it would pick whichever one was most likely going to. Uh, applied to whatever question you had typed in. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really artificial intelligence. But I remember that was probably my first uh, encounter in a, a personal level, apart from the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that surprised me as I was doing research, because I was familiar with Alan Turing and the, mm-hmm. the Turing test, mm-hmm. um, but I was uh, a little surprised that uh, Rene Descartes had actually made some suggestions. I have lyrics going through my head I right know now. you do. All right, go ahead. But it, no, in 1668... Uh, according, again, according to, to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, um, Descartes said that uh, if there were a machine that could walk and talk like you know a person could, um, I, I'm assuming he didn't have some kind of time machine and was guessing that there will be androids in the future. But um, basically, he said that th- these machines would need to be able to put together a conversation like mm-hmm. a person in order to really be defined as intelligent. Um, but he said that he didn't really believe that it was possible for a machine to exhibit that kind of intelligence because they would also need, and I'm not quite sure what he means here, all the organs necessary to live, I mean, to, to react to everything that they would encounter. I'm assuming that they're, he's saying, you know, you wouldn't have skin, so you wouldn't be able to go, oh, we know that pan is hot. Right. Of course, that would be a lot more, again, this would, Suggest again that he does not have a time machine because yeah, actually now there are sensors that you could embed in the yeah, outside of the machine. Sensors, oh yeah, sensors. absolutely. Yeah, there's actually there's there's so much advancement in as far as being able to sense the environment is concerned that we have some rudimentary artificial intelligence examples out there, things that are able to uh, to examine and react to their environments, um, things like you know Asimo. Yeah. Asimo, yeah. the robot from Honda, can walk around a room and recognize an obstacle in its path and then reroute its path so that it can get to its endpoint um, by, you know, walking around or whatever. Uh, it, but it still has limitations. It, it can't, it can't deal with anything completely new. Mm-hmm. It's not capable of doing that. And even something like the, it's able to go up and down stairs, which was a big deal. Like it was able to, to yeah. balance while going up and down stairs. Well, Daleks can't do it. Right. Daleks can't. <laughs> That's all that takes to ruin the, uh, the machinations of the Daleks is staircases. Um, <laughs> although I've been told that Daleks can fly. They can fly. Okay. So it kind of ruins it now though. Yeah. But I mean, in come a on, a stairwell, it's not going to fly up a stairwell. No, not really. Anyway, so <laughs> the, the stairs have to be pre-programmed. Uh, right, into the right. Asimo. It can't, it can't encounter a new staircase and be able to walk up or down that staircase all on its own yet. Uh, but it could encounter a new room and be able to walk from one point to the other and recognize that there's something in the way and move around it. So there are limitations even now, but, um, you know, we, we're seeing advancements all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I do think it's just a question of when we get to the point of something that is capable of, 
learning from its environment. Like the Cornell example kind of proves that. Um, whether or not it develops a personality is a totally different question. And I actually think that the, I was, I'm, the Descartes uh, example was fascinating. I wonder if perhaps part of the problem with defining artificial intelligence is that we have a very, you know, we have a very narrow perspective of what intelligence is. Absolutely. You know, we can't, we're humans. We can't mm-hmm. really conceive of an intelligence outside of our own human intelligence in the sense that there might be some way of having intelligence that is so foreign to us that we would not even recognize it as such. Yeah, we're we're basing it on our own understanding of what intelligence is. Which, uh, you have to. I right. mean, there, there's no way we can't because we are human beings. Right, right. But that's that's a good point to make is that there could be, let's say that 10 years down the road, we have an artificially intelligent device, but we can't really recognize it as such because it's not intelligent the same way human beings are. Right. And I, I do think there are artificial intelligences. Yeah, I've met a lot of them, uh, mostly on election day. Oh, man. Now, I mean, but I, th- you know, going back to your, uh, to your Asimo example. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think they are intelligent. The thing, the things that we manufacture that have an artificial intelligence to them. Mm-hmm are artificially intelligent within the boundaries that we set for them. Like there are, you know, I've played games that have the ones that are described as having good artificial intelligences. And the ones that are, that are really good are the ones that seem to adapt to the way that you play. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, I know he's going to come at at me from this angle. Now I'm going to do this to defend myself and go in this direction. Right. Um, But of course, if you wanted it to make you a grilled cheese sandwich, uh, you know, yeah, it's really, it's not going to help much. Yeah, the intelligence <laughs> the intelligence is limited to the set of instructions that were given to the intelligence at the very beginning. Right. So Asimo couldn't direct an orchestra, Wait. but it could climb a pair a, a set of stairs, and then they programmed it to conduct an orchestra. I was just about to say Asimo did conduct an well, orchestra. Well, it did, but except it that it was actually it was actually um, mimicking someone else's movements. Exactly. They recorded someone else's movements, programmed that into Asimo. So Asimo was not. That was that. That was like uh, putting a tape into a VCR or a CD into a CD player and pushing play. Right. There was no way for Asimo to depart from that series of movements. It could not. It couldn't interpret the music. Right. It couldn't stop and try and hold a note a little for a little more time to get the biggest emotional impact out of the piece. It right. could only conduct at the the tempo and uh, the all the motions that were involved. Um, that were programmed into it beforehand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's one, a very good example. Yeah. One, one thing that uh, that Honda's robot will do, I mean, since it is from Honda, it can reach an accord. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, Michael. Um, so the, yeah, no, I see that was a that was not a Honda. I was going to talk a little bit about uh, CAPTCHA as well and, it's, oh, and yes. the way it plays into artificial intelligence. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, CAPTCHA, of course, is the uh, – it's it's used a lot in verification and uh, when you're you know signing up for a new account with something. Um, it's, yeah, the squiggly alphabetical characters that look yeah. like they've been typewritten around a piece of string or right, something to right. disorient them. It's it's some usually it's a it can be either a, a string of random characters or if you're lucky it's a word because some of these can get so difficult to understand that you know you can't like is that a B or is that a hmm. you know H? Grumblitz. Or, yeah, <laughs> if it's a word, you can at least. You know, your brain will put that together, which is that's another good example. Like uh, if a computer is not able to figure out a word based upon a couple of, you know, letters in there, then 
obviously that shows that it fails that, that test. So the idea behind CAPTCHA is that it's supposed to be a test that human beings can easily pass, but computers cannot. And the purpose for CAPTCHA is to try and avoid having uh, automated bots mm-hmm. register tons and tons and tons of spam accounts for whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. Like Ticketmaster is a good example. Let's say you're buying tickets on Ticketmaster. There's a CAPTCHA section where you have to fill it out before you can complete your order. This helps prevent scalpers from setting up an automated program to buy all the tickets from for a certain venue for a certain show and then scalping the heck out of those tickets. Right. All right. So it makes sense. Now, um, there are people who are figuring out ways to program computers to recognize CAPTCHAs. And in a way, you might say, oh, well, this is terrible because it means that the security now has taken a, a back step and now they're going to have to figure out a new way of doing this, which is going to make it even more difficult for humans to figure out the damn word, right? Right. Well, but you're, you're talking about the silver lining. The on silver that cloud. lining <laughs> is that it means that it's an advance in yeah. artificial intelligence. Right. So on the one hand, computer security has gotten a little more difficult. On the other hand, artificial intelligence has gotten a little better. Now, of course, this doesn't apply if you happen to employ a uh, hundred people out in Indochina to manually go and type these captchas in. Cause right. that's what a lot of, you know, quote unquote hackers are actually doing. They're not creating a program that understands captcha. They're mm-hmm. just hiring someone who will work for pennies on the hour to type these things out. Um, that's obviously not artificial intelligence. That's just being a scumbag. Uh, cause there are better ways to help people in need than to employ them to create junk mail accounts. Um, well, there goes my business model. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So that's the whole idea behind the CAPTCHA is that even when it fails, it's still a success. It's just a success in a different field. All right, then. Cool, huh? It's kind of it's kind of a weird way of thinking of it, though. Yeah. You, you would think that would be sort of a, a negative all the way around. And, and, you know, we've seen other elements of artificial intelligence pop up in devices. You have things like the, the collision detection in cars where it alerts you before you actually were to uh, – collide with something and then there's it appears that you're trying to write a letter (laughs) yes there's clippy clippy which is not really that intelligent no it's artificially incredibly irritating actually you know i haven't seen clippy around what's he doing these days Hopefully hard time because I hated that thing. Oh my gosh. I gave you a hard time. Yeah. But yeah, you type in three words and it suddenly decided what you've tried to do and it's trying to be helpful even though you didn't ask for help and you didn't want it. Oh, I hate Clippy. It appears that you're trying to extort some money. <laughs> it appears that you're a Nigerian prince who is in need of that's uh, just thanks, Clippy. You've made scamming people so much easier. But uh Artificial intelligence, it, it's one of those truly multidiscipline type of, uh, uh, fields, right? I mean, it has, it has everything to, it, it's everything from philosophy, computer science, neuroscience, uh, I mean, uh, biology even, mm-hmm. because there are people who are studying the human brain and trying to figure out how that works and apply that somehow to computer science. That's a tricky, tricky thing because what what we know about the computer the the human brain is so incredibly it's such a tiny fraction of what there is to know from what we can tell at any rate i mean there's so much we don't understand what is the mind versus the brain yeah we can't answer that question which is kind of ironic when you think about it that would be philosophy right there <laughs> yeah, it is philosophy but it's also biology true i true. mean it's the same thing it it 
crosses over. The mind versus the brain is uh, one of those questions that various disciplines have been trying to answer for for generations. Yeah. And uh, there's some who who believe that a an artificial intelligence could develop a mind even if we don't ourselves understand how the mind works. Yeah. Like if we build a brain that's good enough, a mind could spontaneously generate from that brain. If the brain was effective enough and could could make its own decisions, it could develop its own mind. This is completely theoretical because we don't have the ability to make a, a device that complex right now to test this out. But it's also kind of terrifying because then we arrive at the uh, the scenario you mentioned at the beginning. Oh, yes. The intelligence takes a look around, looks at what it needs, decides whether or not humans are needed. If humans are not needed, are, should they be eliminated? If they should be eliminated, what's the most effective way of doing this? If it's got the self-recursive improvement, it's going to figure out better and better ways of getting rid of people <laughs> until you don't have people anymore. Or you get assimilated and you become part of the Borg. Well, you know, that's a cheery outlook on it. Or it absorbs our intelligence in some way and we all become virtual people and mm. our fleshy, meaty bodies eventually die and decompose and say farewell and shovel off the mortal coil. But our intelligence lives on. Now, that's kind of an interesting thought. It also is kind of depressing because you realize that it's not the intelligence that's living in you right now. It would be a copy of you. You know, I'm, I'm guessing that when Alexandra wrote to us that she had no idea whatsoever that we were going to get into this deep a conversation about this topic. Well, that's, that's the... Cause I, I I'm not sure that I, and my, my brain's kind of hurting at this point. Yeah. It's, well, this is a, this is a, a, a tough topic. Now, we're all, to, to answer Alexandra's question. Yeah. Artificial intelligence, to some extent, is already in a host of different products. Oh, from, yeah. From yeah. cars to even things like smartphones. Smartphones able to detect where you are, how fast you're moving, all this kind of stuff. Um, it hasn't gotten to the point where they can start to make their own decisions or uh, or improve upon past experience. But I don't think we're that far off. There are people who believe that artificial intelligence may may be there may be a breakthrough as early as next year. Wow. Of course, they said that last year. Right. Well, <laughs> actually, in 2007, they said any time between three and seven years. So next year would be the first year for that major breakthrough. And then for the singularity. You're looking at around 2025, 2030, depending upon who you ask. So, uh, I mean, that whether yeah. we actually hit the singularity, a lot of that depends on if other things hold true, like Moore's Law. Yeah. yeah. But, of course, you know, Ray Kurzweil and others are counting on it. Yeah. So. They've developed, they've got an entire lecture series devoted to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they are very smart people. Extremely. I would say far smarter than I am. Uh, so it may be that they're onto something. Um, it's hard for me to say because it's, you know, I also look at other extremely complex machinery that doesn't yet work. Yeah. Like, you know, Large Hadron Collider. Well, there are theories as to why that's not working. We're going to get into that, though. We can't we can't talk about that. That's coming up in an upcoming episode. I wonder if artificial intelligence is behind that. Mm, sounds like a conspiracy to me. Shh. That's a hint. All right. Well, let's, uh, I think, uh, do you have anything else to add on artificial intelligence? No, not really. This was a very philosophical discussion, very different from our normal episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We don't plan on doing a ton of philosophical discussions. No, but it's going to do something a little different every once in a while. It is. It is. It's a nice uh, thought experiment, which 
as it turns out, very important in artificial intelligence. Um, <laughs> but now that we've exhausted that topic, at least as far as our understanding goes, you could you could take entire college courses in artificial oh, intelligence. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's far, far, far more out oh, there. Oh, yeah. This is not even scratching the surface. That would be an insult to the field of artificial intelligence. But it does now wrap things up, which leads us to our second bout of listener mail. This listener mail comes from Thomas, and Thomas has this to say. Hello, Chris and Jonathan. I just recently listened to your podcast on ARGs, and I was wondering if I could get a few pointers on getting started and participating in one. So ARGs are the alternate reality games, which we talked about several episodes ago. The two sites I would recommend anyone go to if they are interested in getting into alternate reality games are www.argn.com or www.unfiction.com. Uh, both of those are a good place to start if you want to look into alternate reality games and kind of get an idea of uh, which ones you want to play. Some of the old games are still semi-active, so you could actually play through parts of the game. Now, granted, anything that relies on interaction between the game master and the players, that's long since over. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't play that part. But the puzzles that are online, you may still be able to play through or at least be able to see wh- what the puzzles were, how people worked them out, get an idea for the way the games are played. Um, both of those sites also list active games. Uh, when I looked, there weren't a whole lot of active games right now, but that could change at any time. So uh, thanks, Thomas. Uh, if any of you have any questions, suggestions, criticisms, comments, that kind of thing, write to us, techstuff at howstuffworks.com. We have a lot of articles on the site that relate to artificial intelligence, uh, not one specifically about how AI works, but how it relates to things like robots, video games, all that sort of stuff. I recommend you check those out. That's at HowStuffWorks.com. Remember, we have a live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, check that out. Again, blogs. So uh-huh. you would look at uh, HowStuffWorks.com. On the right-hand side, there's the link to the blogs. That's where you're going to find that information. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?